In week 19 of the study of Hebrews, it finds us in chapter 7. And last week, we covered what is known about this mysterious fellow whose name is Melchizedek and who has a priesthood named after him. The priesthood is an everlasting priesthood that serves in the heavenly sanctuary of God. And Yeshua is the high priest. And the author showed us that it was superior to the Levitical priesthood because Abraham tithed to Melchizedek while Levi was still in his loins. This week, he'll continue with why the priesthood and the high priest are superior. And so in verse 11 of chapter 7, it says, If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of priesthood, there must also be a change in the law. This, these verses have been read by many believers to say that the law is no longer valid and it's been replaced. I mean, after all, it does say there's been a change in the law. So it stands that Yeshua's coming put an end to the law, correct? No, not so much. And we'll put an end to that error today. But first, let's begin with this word perfection so that we know what we're talking about. It's the Greek word teleosis. And it means completing or perfecting. The word gives the sense of completion, particularly in the sense of perfection. It could be really translated uh, completion in the sense of reaching an intended goal. Because it says the same, shares the same root as telephone. And when you dial a telephone, you have a goal in mind. The fact is, the complete Jewish Bible, or the Jewish New Testament, renders it this way. If it had been possible to reach the goal through the system of the Kohanim derived from Levi, since in connection with it, the people were given the Torah. To reach the goal that God intended, which is perfection of man, would be the correct understanding. So the next thing we have to ask ourselves, what is the goal? What is this perfection that God wants to bring about? Well, the goal that God wants to bring about is to restore man back into his presence and the perfection that man had in the Garden of Eden, Gandhi Din. You know, we read it last week. It's the culmination of history and it's foretold in John's vision. Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 3 say, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, from God, prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. You see, that's what he's trying to bring about. That's what he's always tried to bring about. To bring about, once again, God dwelling with his people. Now, he did that, in a sense, through the Torah, through the law. He dwelt in a tabernacle. But that's not exactly what's meant here. What's meant here is that the people would once again be acceptable to God without unforgiven transgression, without impurity, 
And we find this goal mentioned throughout Scripture. God wants to dwell with his people. And we should also understand that he wants to dwell with his people not in the sense of them walking about the land and him sitting in his tabernacle, but in this sense that we find in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? You see, that's the perfection. That's the goal that God will once again walk and talk with his people. Now, if you look at the Levitical priesthood, you'll find that it could not accomplish this goal. But even more important to our discussion is that that it was never intended to accomplish this goal. God gave the Levitical priesthood the task of maintaining the tabernacle and the temple. The Levitical priesthood offered no offering that would cleanse man on an eternal basis. And we can see this in the instruction for the day of judgment, Yom Kippur. It says in Leviticus 16, verse 34, it says, This is to be an everlasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of the Israelites. And so the author wants us to understand that the priesthood of Levi was never intended to offer perfection, this perfection, this man once again restored to the presence of God. That doesn't make the Levitical priesthood obsolete or bad. It just means it was never intended. It wasn't designed. It wasn't the purpose to do that. Let me see what we can liken it to. We can liken it to taking a piece of bread because you want some toast for breakfast and putting it in the blender. It's not going to make toast. You're going to end up with breadcrumbs. But that doesn't make the blender bad. It just wasn't designed to make toast. Right? And I say that because, sadly, this verse is often taken by readers to mean that the priesthood of Levi and the Torah are no longer relevant or they're bad in some way. However, that is not what the author means. The priesthood of Levi is what God intended it to be, and the Messiah's priesthood of Melchizedek is what God intended it to be. Messiah Yeshua doesn't render the priesthood of Levi obsolete, as, we're gonna, as we read about the millennium, as Jeremiah speaks of it in Jeremiah 33, verse 17, it says, For this is what the Lord says, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor will the priests who are the Levites ever fail to have a man stand before me continually to offer burnt offerings and burn, uh, to burn grain offerings in the, and present sacrifices. And this is speaking of the age to come when Messiah will sit on the throne and the Levites are going to stand before God and offer burnt offerings. Now I know that might be hard for some of you to take because offerings in the kingdom is not what we've been taught. But don't kill the messenger. I'm just reading scripture. I'm just reading. So let's move to verse 12 and it says... For when there is a change of priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord is descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. 
So let's begin now with this phrase, change in the law, which has led many to believe that Messiah, that with Messiah, the law has been abrogated, it's been changed, it's been done away with. However, I want to look at Stern's New Testament translation. He's rendered this verse much better. He says, For if the system of the Kohanim is transformed, there, mu- there must of necessity occur a transformation of the Torah. So with the priesthood of Melchizedek, there must be a trans- transformation of the law. And as we've seen, this is true. The Levitical priesthood and the sacrifices offered by the priesthood never took away sins or purified the people on an eternal basis. But it did it on a yearly basis at best, as we just read in Leviticus. So we have to move forward to chapters 8 and 10 to really understand what he's saying about this transformation of the Torah. It says in verse 5 of chapter 8, they offer worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch or a shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent, was warned, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. We have to understand Verse 12 of chapter 7, within the context of chapter 8, verse 5. The tabernacle and the priesthood of Levi are a shadow. I really like the word sketch of the heavenly. In other words, they're not the complete picture. And so without going into a complete teaching on the offerings prescribed in the Torah and their purpose, if you you boil it down, their purpose, purpose was to offer ritual purity. They made the nation or the individual pure so that he could participate in the temple services or the tabernacle services. And this is something that the writer makes clear in chapter 10. It says in verse 1, Since the law has a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect, there's our word again, those who approach. Otherwise, they would have ceased to be offered since the worshipers cleansed once and for all would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of goats and bulls to take away sins. And so with this understanding, the priesthood of Aaron and the sacrificial system being a shadow of the reality, now we can better understand what was being said, particularly if we read Stern's translation again. Let's do that. For if the system of the Kohanim is transformed, there must occur a transformation of the Torah. You see, the law is a shadow. The priesthood is a shadow. The offerings are a shadow. So for perfection to be attained, there must be a transformation of this earthly priesthood of Levi to the heavenly priesthood of Melchizedek and Yeshua. The law must be transformed from a shadow to a reality. The reality being the blood of goats and bulls offered as a shadow never produced the perfection that God was after. But the blood of Messiah Yeshua offers the reality of restoring man into the presence of God. 
The Torah tells us that the tabernacle, the priesthood, and the sacrifices are shadows of what is in heaven. The tabernacle in heaven, the priesthood of Melchizedek in heaven, and the offering of Yeshua are the reality. And the transformation is one from shadow to reality. Not a change in the Torah, because I'm going to show you later that it's impossible to change the Torah. The transformation of the Torah from shadow to reality, however, is not impossible. Verse 15 says this, And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of the regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of a power of an indestructible life. We spoke last week about the priesthood of Melchizedek, that it's an eternal priesthood, of which the Levitical is a shadow, and not eternal because the high priests die. The priesthood of Melchizedek is not based on ancestry because the priests are eternal. The author is saying that to be a priest, the Torah declares that you must be descended from the house of Aaron. So if you're born of the house of Aaron, no matter what else you are, you are a priest. Because that's what the Torah says. However, Yeshua was from the tribe of Judah and was declared by God to be a priest, not on the basis of his ancestry because he wasn't a Levite. No one from the tribe of Judah will ever serve as a priest in the Levitical priesthood. But he tells us that his priesthood is not based on that. Paul tells us something else about Yeshua and his kingship, his being the son of God. He tells us this in Romans chapter 1, verse 2. He says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Spirit scriptures regarding his son as to his human nature was a descendant of David and through whom the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Yeshua, our Messiah and Lord. You see, he was declared to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek by his resurrection from the dead. As the author of Hebrews says, by the power of an indestructible life. Yeshua came from the Father, returned to the Father because death had no hold on him and because he was, is, and ever will be the Son of God and the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The author says this in verse 17, for it is declared that you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former commandment is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. There's the perfection again. Draw near to God. Just a point here before we get into the real meat of this verse. And that is there are those who use these verses to say that the law has passed and is no longer useful. It's been set aside. Because it made no one perfect. Well... People who say that ought to get their reading glasses out because that's not what it said. It said the commandment is set aside. And what commandment was set aside? The commandment he's been speaking of. That one of the priests, that's, that the Torah states that a priest can only come from the tribe of Levi and the house of Aaron. It's set aside because it was weak and useless. And now for the meat. 
He again quotes Psalm 110. He says, the former commandment is set aside because it was weak and it was useless. So one should be asking themselves, why was it weak and useless? Well, he answers that briefly by saying that it was because the priesthood of Levi made nothing perfect. And again, our definition of perfect is that we would draw once again near to God and have relationship with God. So again, we should be asking ourselves, why was it weak and useless? Why would God give Israel something that was weak and useless? That did not aid them in drawing near to God again. If his ultimate intention was to make men perfect, why would he give his chosen people, the descendants of his beloved friend Abraham, something that was weak and useless? And did not accomplish his ultimate goal? That's a fair question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's not that hard a question. And he's going to get into it in chapter 8. You see, it's all wrapped up in the Sinai Covenant. The priesthood of Levi and the commandment were given as part of and after the Sinai Covenant was made. And remember, what did the Sinai Covenant say? Exodus chapter 19, here's what God wanted. Verse 5, now if you hear my voice and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. For the whole earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to Israel. So he asked Israel to hear his voice and keep his covenant. He asked Israel for relationship with him. That's the perfection that he's looking for. And the perfection is relationship with his people. And what do they ultimately say? Verse, chapter 20, verse 19 says, They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. They say no to hearing to God, hearing God. So why was the commandment weak and useless and not able to draw people to God? Well, easy, the people said no. They didn't want to hear God. For God to give them a way to draw near through Aaron would have been useless because they already refused the relationship that he intended. So the instructions for the Levitical priesthood were not given to aid people in drawing near to God in the sense that they would have relationship with him. They were given to maintain ritual purity and the service of the tabernacle so that Israel could participate in the services. But they were not given so that Israel could have a personal relationship with God. That means that along with a new priest, a new high priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron, we also have to have a new covenant. Not like the old where man taught his neighbor, saying, know the Lord, but one where they will all know God. Not with a priesthood that would offer ritual purity on earth, but one that would offer eternal purity that would aid us in drawing near to God and having relationship with God. And so the author says in verse 20, he says, and it was not without an oath. Other priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath from God when he said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this, Oath, Yeshua has become the guarantee of a better covenant. 
You see how this all fits together? A priest in the order of Levi could not aid the people in drawing near to God and having relationship with God because that priesthood wasn't given for that purpose. The people didn't want it. And so a new covenant and a new priesthood, the one that Levi was a mere shadow, had to come. And both were declared a reality by the power of the resurrection from the dead. And so the priesthood of Levi was instituted as part of the covenant with Israel. And the covenant with Israel was at their request made no provision for them to speak with God. Or to have God speak with them. Therefore, the perfection that God was after to be a reality required a new covenant, a new priesthood, because the old was weak and it did not do that. Nor... Because at the request of the people, it wasn't intended to accomplish that perfection. Just like a toaster, just like a blender isn't going to make toast, right? So again, the author is saying it's set aside. Is the whole of the Torah set aside? No. Is the Levitical priesthood set aside? Again, no. Because as we saw, Jeremiah said, David will never fail to have a man sit on the throne of the house of Israel, nor will the priests, who are the Levites, ever fail to have a man stand before me, continually offer burnt offerings and to offer grain off- and burn grain offerings and present sacrifices. Ezekiel tells us the same thing in chapter 43. He says this, Then he said to me, Son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says. There will be regulations for sacrificing burnt offerings and sprinkling blood upon the altar when it is built. You are to give a young bull as a sin offering to the priests, who are the Levites, the family of Zaduk, who will come to minister before me, declares the Lord. There's going to be offerings in the millennial temple, and the Levites are going to be serving there, right? Again, if that's not what you heard before because you thought Yeshua was the once and for all sin offering, and he is, If you thought that meant no more offerings, you're wrong. And please don't shoot the messenger because I'm only reading God's word again. Amen? So what is meant is that the commandment that a priest could only come from the tribe of Levi and the house of Aaron was set aside to make way for the reality, the high priest that could offer the perfection that God was after in the first place. And you can have that today. If you don't know how, just come to the prayer class this afternoon. Now let's go back to our opening verse and use the Stern's translation again and see if it makes more sense. Now if it had been possible to reach the goal through the system of the Kohanim derived from Levi, since in connection with it the people were given the Torah. You see, the ministry of the tribe of Levi and the house of Aaron were given as part of the Torah. Or we could say the instruction of God because Torah means instruction. However, that instruction did not offer the perfection that God was after because the people refused this relationship to hear the voice of God. The priesthood of Levi was given to offer ritual purity so that they could come up to the tabernacle and participate in the service, but only up to the tabernacle because they weren't allowed to enter the tabernacle and the presence of God. They had to remain outside because that is what they asked for. Therefore, If the perfection that God was after was to be accomplished, there would be a need for a new covenant, a new mediator of that covenant, and a new priesthood that could offer 
a perfection that allowed fellowship with the eternal. All of those things will be what the author is going to get at in the next few chapters. Does that make the priesthood of Levi in the house of Aaron, for that matter, even the Torah that was given in connection with that priesthood, obsolete? Not at all. No more than a blender is made obsolete by a toaster. You just have to use it for the right purpose. The priesthood of Levi is, was, and ever will be a shadow that God made it. The offerings will ever be the shadow that God made them. A shadow of what Yeshua accomplished for us. Just as Yeshua will ever be the reality of these shadows. So now, we have what the author is trying to tell us. And next, he's going to go on to prove each of these things in the coming weeks. But for us, we must remember that while the Torah couldn't make anything perfect in that it was not designed to do that, the Torah itself is perfect because it did what it was intended to do. The priesthood of Aaron could not make anything perfect because it wasn't designed to do that. But the priesthood itself was perfect because it did what it was intended to do. God is not the author of imperfection. He is the author of perfection. Is this Torah still valid? Well, yes, it is. It'll keep your feet on the right path throughout this life. Will the Torah give you salvation and life in the world to come? Will it restore you into the presence of God? No. Because... That's not what it was intended to do. It wasn't intended to offer that perfection, but only a shadow of that perfection. And that it did perfectly. The Torah gives us a shadow of the covenant God wanted. The Torah gave us a shadow of his tabernacle and of the priesthood that serves there. The Torah gave us a shadow of the offerings and the one who would come to make an offering that would cleanse us eternally. The Torah is complete and a perfect document. And that's exact, and it did exactly what it was intended to do. And let me tell you something else. It is an unchangeable document. You can't change it. The Torah protects itself against change. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now hear, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go and take possession of the land the Lord... The God of your fathers is given you. Do not add to nor t- what I command you, nor, do, nor s- do not subtract from it. But keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. You see, it's an unchangeable document. It protects itself from change. And yet, the Torah made a way for one greater to come who would usher in the reality of the shadow that the Torah is. And God gave us that in Deuteronomy chapter 18. In verse 15, he says, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers, and you must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. And the Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. And if anyone does not listen to the words the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him to account. What God makes and does is always perfect 
There's no need to abolish the law, the priesthood of Levi, or anything else that he's made. No, it's up to us to realize that his words are perfect and they always do what they were designed to do. Amen?